Davis. My name is Heather. I'm so excited to be with you this morning, the third Sunday of Advent. It is flying by for me personally, so I'm so grateful to have this time and space to kind of focus and center, sing some Christmas songs, remember what the season is about, and then join with others in community and discussion. So I invite you to stand as we begin with Hark the Herald Angels Sing. See 
Everyone, you can, can have a seat. Um, my name's Imad, and this is Maddie, and we're engaged to be married, and we'll, we'll do the reading for this week's Advent. All right, we'll start with Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go to your country and your kindred and your father's house, to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse, and in, uh, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Genesis 17, 3 through 8, then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of multitudes of nations. I will make you exceedingly faithful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant, to be God with you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. A benediction for times of Advent. For those whose life has been stuck on pause, may you know the comfort and presence of the God who waits with us. Come, Lord Jesus, as we wait for you. May we, whose darkness feels everlasting, remember that pure light has entered the world and the darkness has not overpowered it. Come, Lord Jesus, as we wait for you. May we see Christ, the despised one, Christ, who loved the outsider, who tasted bitterness and endured death, May, may he comfort us in our distress and disturb us in our comfort. Come, Lord Jesus, as we wait for you. When all we experience is endless waiting and fruitlessness, give us the strength to look up and forward to you. May we long for the taste of heaven, our true and future home. Come, Lord Jesus, as we wait for you. May we who carry weariness and pain receive sustenance from a savior who entered and exited the world with a cry of distress. Come, Lord Jesus, as we wait for you. May we who have grown too comfortable among the twinkly lights of this world see afresh the true and glorious light of Christ. Come, Lord Jesus, as we wait for you. As we remember the great cloud of witnesses who waited in faith for your coming of earth, Sarah and Abraham and the patriarchs, Isaiah and the prophets, Zechariah, Elizabeth and John, Joseph and Mary, and all those unnamed saints who cried out for salvation, may we join our voice with theirs and pray, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, come. To worship in song.
seated. Hey, good morning. I'm Nate. And I just got my cardio in for the week. I was standing in the lobby and I'm like, oh, I think I'm up. I think I'm doing the announcements. It's so good to have you here. Uh, thank you for being here. For those of you who have uh, transferred to giving online, we say thank you. For those of you that might have brought a check or a pocket full of change. There's a wooden box in the back that you could put those in. We want to encourage you to fill out a green card. That lets us know about your attendance, but also it's a great way to let us know what you're praying about. And then we can join with you in those prayers. Every week on Thursday, 
we do a text to inquire about prayer needs. And it's been amazing to see how many people participate in that. If you wanted to be a part of that, you would text uh, new to Genesis to 94,000. So 94,000. You can put in new to Genesis and that'll automatically add you to our prayer text. We've got some significant dates coming up that we want to make sure are on your calendar, and I'll give them to you in order. On Wednesday, December 21st, we're going to have our blue Christmas service. This is the first go at that, and it is a service that is geared towards those of us who are not experiencing this holiday as uh, all glad tidings and cheer. And so it's a space where we'll get together. Um, we will experience community. We'll definitely share in each other's sufferings, uh, but we'll also try and encourage each other um, to know in the least that we're not alone. And so I would encourage you to be a part of that, or if you know someone that you think uh, would benefit from being here, absolutely make the invitation and maybe you can escort them here. So that's December 21st, and that service is going to be at 6 p.m. The next date is December 24th, which is Christmas Eve, and we do a candlelight service at 5 p.m. We would love to have you here for that. There's no child care for that service, and there are lit flames. So make your decisions accordingly <laughs> about if you'll attend or who will hold your candle. The next date is December 25th, which is Christmas Day, and Christmas Day this year is on a Sunday. And so we will not be gathering here on Christmas Day, so uh, make the effort to be here the night before, and then we'll let that kind of hang over into the next morning, which then leads us into New Year's. And January 14th, we have an exciting training that we're going to be doing in the morning. Some of you joined us uh, for the last training, and you know that that 9 to noon time was just awesome. It went so fast, and most of us would have stayed in the afternoon. But January 14th, we have a friend of ours. His name is Danny Cox. Um, he was a teaching pastor for Kensington Church in Troy. Um, before that, he was a noted artist in Detroit, and he's moved into a new space of uh, trying to allow people to experience God and uh, embracing some of the mystical parts of that and how we're wired in that way. And so he's going to be coming to do a training here, which we think will help us to know more about who we are, what God's inviting us to do, and to have courage to take those steps. So super cool opportunity. Mark that on your calendar. Uh, Open Table Collective is what they're called, and so we'd love for you to be here. So lastly, we will release the uh, middle schoolers, and I would invite everyone else to stand up, take a deep breath, say hi to the people around you, and then Bo's going to come up for our teaching time. So thank you for being here.
Well, good morning. Good morning. Such, wow, I mean, that is a hum. That was beautiful. Hey, good morning. My name's Dave. Hey, Dave, nice to meet you. Hey, welcome from Florida. Nice to meet you. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. My son, Jason. Awesome. You too. So um, we stand, we have a practice where we share stories, where we've seen God at work. And, and certain weeks, we, we, we hold back a little bit from that because we're, we're wanting to do something a little bit different. But I was told that, Jacqueline, that you came prepared to share a story that you wanted to share with us. Is that true? Okay, then the, come, come on up, Jackie. If, if you've come prepared, Jackie told somebody she was prepared to share, then we make, oh, a different Jackie. Two Jackies. <laughs> well, every day when I go to work, I see these um, red kettles for the Salvation Army. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really sweet. It's really sweet because people put their money in there and it helps people who are less fortunate than us. Absolutely. So I give, I, that's where I see God at work at my, at mm. Kroger, mm. because if it weren't, if it weren't for those red kettles, people who are less fortunate than us won't have much for Christmas. That's awesome. Thank you, Jackie. Jackie, thank you so much. So when Bonnie told me that Jackie had something to share, I was thinking Jacqueline. Because Jackie, you always have a testimony to share about God's goodness and seeing it. So I love that, and thank you for sharing. We, we definitely want our hearts to be that way, to be generous at all seasons. But Jackie. Sorry to put you on the spot. <laughs> no. But yeah, you're like put on the spot. But this is a function of, of kind of being family and knowing each other's business and wanting to be known and to share. So, Jackie, you, you came in with something to share. So I thought I got out of it. So <laughs> thanks. Thanks, Bonnie. But I'm glad uh, Jacqueline also shared. So I was waiting until January now to share this. So I'm very un- kind of unprepared. But I did prep for this story. Um, some of you know that I started a new job this summer in July. Really excited to be there, excited to work for this company. And in September, my dream company posted a job that I was interested in, but felt like I had been at my current company not long enough to apply for a new job, so I did not apply. Later in September, my current company did a round of layoffs. And that time my job was not affected, so I was like, you know, maybe I should just stay with my current company. But I felt like I was saying, it's your dream company, just apply for this new job. You don't have to do anything about it, just apply. So I did, made it for the, through the first couple of rounds of interviews, and felt like things were going pretty well, and God just kept saying, you don't have to do anything, just take the next step, take the next step. Well, in November, my current company did another round of layoffs, and that time my job was affected. So I lost my job in November, but luckily I was in the process with my dream company. Happy to share, I got my job offer this past week, and start, I thank you. Um, I start the job in January, and I just felt like it was God's timing and God's you know plan for me, and I'm really excited and wanted to share and thought I got out of it, but did not, so that's the story. <laughs> Jackie, that is awesome. We celebrate with you. And awesome for hearing the, that whisper and being like, okay, I, I think this is God, and I'm going to do it. Thank you for sharing that with us. So may, may you guys, too, as you hear the whisper, the good news kind of a whisper, not the bad news whisper, you know, that negative whisper, but the good news whisper that sounds like a shepherd that's what Jesus described the voice to be like, a shepherd that cares and comforts and directs. That's the whisper. And Jesus says, oh, my sheep will know that voice. And so as we hear it, maybe say yes. So right now we're in Advent, and we've been trying to share, uh, we shared a calendar and some practices. And some of that practices is a, a daily prayer 
and some uh, a, a, a scripture reading, and then there's there's activities through the week, and so. Nikki's coming here to help to encourage us for the next one. But before we step into the next one, I wanted to take a minute and just, just highlight some of the attempts. Because this is all we're trying to do. You, you don't have to keep holding that, Nikki, if you want. You can lay it down. Or you can be like, it's almost like a cigarette cart, right? Of like the 1920s cigarette girl, sort of. If that's not offensive, it might be. I don't know. Uh, but... Jenna, we were, we were throwing some things around the thread, and Jenna, who's a, who's a part of our team, was saying, my, December has just been crazy, terrible, so hard. I, we haven't done anything, but they paused to do the little Advent prayer. And again, it, it's so simple. And as she does this, this is what her kids do. They all of a sudden, they get on their knees and fold their hands like angels, and she's like, what is this? You know, just to break the chaos um, of her life. And we just kind of all just sort of laughed for a moment for many of us who are in these seasons of waiting. We're waiting. And Jenna would say, this has not been a good season. But as we open up these little pockets, there's these moments in our waiting and in our pain and in our discomfort and in our weariness where there's little bits of joy and God's presence and provision for, for you and in your circumstances. So I love that from Jenna. Then over this last week, last Sunday, we, we gave Scott Hallback, who's a UPS driver, sh- shared with us his practice of loading up the goodie bin on his porch in order to give treats to, to the delivery drivers and shared his context and about how that workload for drivers it, 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 since Black Friday goes insane. It's like 15-hour days. It's long, long days all the way through the entire season. And so we, we laid out gifts. We, we, we gave you some like starter kits for that and just encouraged, hey, if you can, love on these drivers. Be, be grateful. Let's see them and respond to them. And so we saw a number of attempts this week. And one of them I got a picture of was from Burton, uh, from Burton Kathleen Bradley. And they said, I, we don't think our driver got any, but the squirrels took a hold of all the food. And, and that was like the peanut mix that all of a sudden they were spread. Same thing happened at my house. They have New Year's too. We saw a squirrel in the tree with a Kit Kat wrapper, and we knew that it was ours. And so we fed mostly the animals, but I think there was a driver who, who took some. And of that, uh, Kathy posted, and Kathy, I loved it because you, your context was like, hey, I'm in, I'm in an apartment, and, and you don't normally get to see the drivers, but somehow they said that the, a, a driver uh, rung you. Yeah, buzzed you in order to let him in, and then she chased him down with this bag of goodies in order to, to bless them and just to, to be grateful to him. So, Kathy, I loved hearing your story of, of that participation. And then I just got some other pictures of some ones. Oh, so this is uh, Seth and Molly, the Kimballs. They said they put it out there, and, and, and then immediately, like, Maddie was like, hey, how did you print that off? Because that looks really good. <laughs> So that was the Kimballs making their, their attempt for, for that. And if you want to scroll through, we'll kind of go through the next one. That's my, Carmel, like, wrapped a box and stuff, put stuff out at our house. There, there's our house. Here's the next one. Let's see who, who's up next. Um, that one is Vicky. That's the Browns, Dave and Vicky, who put that out in front of their house. And then we've got... Oh, that's Nate. So Nate was kind of saying, you just stuck the bag on the pole at his house, you know. And that, that meme was created because there was this book that was just giving so much life to Carmel. This holiday season, my wife has just not had great health for years. And Casey Davis, who's a Christian and a therapist, was trying to encourage people. And, and, and one of her mantras that has been, has been life-giving is that anything worth doing is worth doing half-assed. And so it's kind of like, nope, it's still like step to it, step to it. We're not trying to get the gold star in life, but it's, it's worth stepping into. And so with that, we, we love the stories and the people. And, and we had Marty's picture up there, and Marty created like this wicker bag. And, and, but so many people participated, and it's making these steps into it. And so we want to encourage you. 
So there's still time just to engage, to engage even if it's the prayer or if it's the reading. We have more candles if you've already burned through your candle and you want to grab another candle to light during the evening, you can grab a candle. But we want to encourage you this week with another tangible um, experience uh, of engaging in Advent and being, having, pulling people in with you and you're waiting, loving others. And so Nikki, come on up and share with us what the um, Advent experience and, and the tool that we want to give people this week is. Here, I'll hold this. Okay. I'll be the model. I'll be the model, yeah. So I found that half off at, hello, hello. Is it right? Just turn it on. I might have clicked off here. I need to, yeah. It's been on. No, you just need to talk normal. <laughs> okay. It's on now, yeah. Yeah. Check, check. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, half off at Michael's, $15. So what we have for you guys this week is hot chocolate hooked in a pack of two, one for you and one to share. And the question is, who is your who? Who are you inviting, right? So it can be like for me, Scott, the UPS driver, that's my husband. For those who don't know, I don't see him until after Christmas, right? So we're just kind of passing. He's working Saturdays, all of it. Today's his rest day. Um, I'm taking hot chocolate because I have four kids, they all have busy lives. And we're having a hot chocolate moment at our house because we're never together, all six of us, because everybody's going their own way. So our encouragement to you is take enough for your family, if that's who you're inviting, right? With intention, your neighbor, whatever it is. We have 200 packs, guys, and candy canes. And here, we've got little bags too. In three stations, one here, one in the center, and one by the back door. So be thinking about your who, plan accordingly, and take hot chocolate and share, okay? I love it. So the hot chocolate day is, there's a, there's a calendar you can subscribe to that will, will populate your Google calendar or your phone calendar, so you can subscribe to it and you can see it. We also have printouts out there. That on the calendar, it says that Tuesday is the hot chocolate day, but that doesn't matter. It's kind of like you can look at the, the, the number of activities, maybe one or two will fit and they'll work. So we, we think that the hot chocolate one is one that's like, wait a minute, we, we could do that and we can be with people which is so good for every one of us to be with people. And so, as Nikki was saying, who'd you invite? Maybe it, maybe it is a neighbor. Make it easy so that you only have to walk across the street so you don't have to drive somewhere. Or invite someone who has to drive. Or maybe, maybe you know somebody that's lonely. Maybe somebody you just love being with. So who, who's your who? Who could you have hot chocolate with? And so take as many packets as, as you need. If you're in a season and you're like, I'm exhausted. I can't even think about inviting anybody. I want to be invited. Well, I want to let you know that Roy and Deb, Roy, if you want to raise your hand, Roy and Deb have said you're invited. And they're going to host the hot chocolate uh, drink off or what? <laughs> I don't even know. They're going to host having hot chocolate. Um, at their house on Tuesday night from 7 to 8.30. And so if you're just like, I, I want to be with people, and um, I could do that. They live in Berkeley. If you subscribe to our text, we're texting the address, and it, will have, it has somebody's phone number. I don't know, if it's Roy, is that yours? It has Roy's phone number, and he's just saying, hey, just text me, let me know. RSVP means he can know how many mugs to have ready. Or you can grab Roy even now or here in just a little bit and let him know. I'm coming. So that has happened on Tuesday night. If, you, if you're just looking, you want to be with some people, you want to hang out, Roy and Deb are hosting. That's Tuesday night. Um, and if you need more information about it, get that. That's going on the text. If you don't receive our text, you can grab him, and he'll give you the address. Sound good for hot chocolate? So grab your packets as you go. I think this week also has like a make, make some cookies and give it to a neighbor. I think that's today, actually. So those are some of the ones I know that we're going to try to do as a family, but probably not today. So sometime we'll get to it. So, All right, so glad that you're here for this. We're stepping in now into our practice, and we're, we're in a series about waiting. And this is the second Sunday, which is about discussion. 
And so what, why we do this, this discussion, this is so huge. Our, our culture and our context, for most of us, say you learn by somebody sitting up here and talking to you. No, you learn from each other by sharing your experiences. And, and even in the scriptures, Ephesians say that we grow with the help of one another. That's how we grow. That's how we flourish. And so we just kind of knew that we wanted to create a regular practice of just sitting down and getting to hear the thoughts and the experiences and the learnings of each other. And so we've created that time of discussion built in today that will happen right in here, and that's going to happen here in about 15 minutes. So we're excited for that. We have some facilitators who help us walk you through a conversation. But it's here because that's where learning happens. That's where connection happens. Because the people who, who, who know this is you all. Your experiences are learning. And the only way that we get to learn and hear these experiences and, and your input is when we do sit around and share with each other. So we're going to host that in here just a second for discussion. But with that, the people who wait, we're looking at the character of Sarah. Now, Sarah was, uh, Sarah and Abraham, as many of you might know them, are the patriarchs of the scripture. They lived about 4,000 years ago. And their story, which is mostly centered around Abraham, but Sarah is an is a incredibly significant part of the story, begins in Genesis chapter 12 and goes on for nearly 10 chapters, where it tells their story. And their story is a story of waiting. And even though it was like 4,000 years ago that this story was told, we think it's significant for those of us who wait and who are experiencing waiting. Also, what's really significant about this story in the time frame that we are in civilization is that there are formalized religions already being formed and ideas and concepts about gods and the creator God. And not much is known about the creator God that we would call God as we worship here. Because this is 4,000 years ago. There might be some forms of written, written languages, but there's no formal text. Everything's being shared orally. And so in Genesis chapter 12, we find this story, and it picks up with two people, Abram and Sarai, and their names change later on. But it's about this family. And I want to give us a little bit of context before I read the scripture that I'm going to share for a second that you guys are going to be talking through here in Genesis 18. But this family, it initially shows, it begins in Genesis chapter 12. That's where their story begins. They're living with their extended family, Sarah, Sarai, and Abram, and their father and all their relatives in an extended family within a city. And it says that Abram is 75 years old, and God speaks to him and tells him to move. Says, leave your people. Leave your relatives. Leave, leave the family. Leave, the, leave this city. And I'm going to take you to another place. So leave everything that puts you into safety and comfort and everything that you know. And I'm going to have you wander but I'm going to bless you. And through you, all the world is going to be blessed. And through your offspring, I'm going to bless everybody in the world. And so we have Abram and Sarai, who Abram hears this and goes to Sarah, and it's like, we're, we're moving. And this puts them in jeopardy. As, as in, in any place, they're wanderers. They no longer have the protection of a people they no longer have the, the stability of, of a home in this context of land and people around them. And they begin to wander. And as they wander, they begin to find themselves in trouble at times. They're going among foreign peoples with different practices that don't know them. There were some kinds of formalized laws, but you always knew you might be in trouble. And one of the stories that tells us early on is that there's a famine, and as there's wandering couple with very little protection, they end up in Egypt because there's no food. And as they're there and they're stepping into Egypt, Abram says to his wife, don't, don't tell anybody you're my wife, say so you're my sister. Because if they think that you're my wife, they're going to kill me in order to take you. 
So say you're my sister. Now this is an odd request, but Sarah says yes, because all of a sudden now Sarah is his sister and she becomes an, a prized possession of every single man or married man who wants another wife. And immediately Pharaoh, who's in charge of Egypt, and all the other men are, are, are making a big deal out of Sarai, who is married and the wife of Abram, but yet has been asked to lie about it. And all of a sudden, Abram starts to get honored by Pharaoh. And Pharaoh gives him all kinds of possessions and things. And it's like, well, let me honor you. Let me honor you because I want to buy, I want to take possession of your sister. I want her to be part of my wives, my harem. And Abraham goes, Abram goes along with it and leaves her. And as Sarai is there waiting for Pharaoh to call her and to be like, you're mine, you're going to have sex with me. All of a sudden, every woman starts to get sick and sick bad. Enough that Sarai never gets called by Pharaoh because they continue to get sick, except for Sarah. And sick until somehow Pharaoh begins to realize who I assume he's a spiritual sort of person and watching signs and that, and everyone is sick, and he's going to stay away from all these sick women. Who knows what kind of virus is spreading? But all of a sudden it comes to him, something is up with Sarai. And he realizes, oh, she's married. And in that moment, we have this first sense of Sarai, even though that Abram didn't honor her, that God protected her. And honored her and kept her safe when she was incredibly vulnerable and being mistreated and not honored by her husband. But he saw her and honored her. And Pharaoh returns her to Abram and is like, hey, get out of here. Nobody's going to touch you, but why in the world did you do that to us? And they begin to continue to wander and to go about, but they've been promised this child. And for 11 years, they waited. That's every month thinking, oh, yeah, this is going to come. Oh, yeah, we get the promised child. And it doesn't. And, and as far as the story goes, we, we don't really know, but it just seems like God is really the one kind of speaking to Abram, and Sarah is just kind of like, he's telling me these things, and I think I'm the one who's supposed to be the one to have this child, but maybe the promise is just for, for Abram and not for me. It looks like God is not working with me, that God has stopped me from being able to have a child. She, she has this idea, and she's like, hey, sleep with the servant, and then maybe I'll get a family through this, and that happens, but it goes terrible. It was awful. And that was 11 years in. And God continues to show back up at different times and saying, I'm going to bless you, Abram, and I'm going to bless Sarai. And you're going to be the father of nations, and you're going to have a child. And again and again, and God changes their name. And God comes up to Abram and is like, your name is now Abraham, and Sarah, your name is Sarai, your name is Sarah, which means that you're going to be the mothers and the fathers of nations. And yet, nothing has happened. There's no children not from Sarah. And the wait has been 24 years. And when it comes to, to having children, I've been told, you know, that they're, they're, every month there's a physical reminder of whether or not you're pregnant or not, of whether or not this is a possibility or not, or whether or not that this is moving forward or not. And over 24 years, that's 288 reminders again and again of no, 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 no. Almost 300 times. Here's this promise. Here's this. Oh, I'm going to bless you. You're going to have a family. And almost 300 times, month beyond month, beyond month, beyond month, it's no. And you can only imagine the disappointment, the discouragement, this cynicism. And this is where we find ourselves. It says that Abram is 99, Sarah's 90, and all of a sudden it's been 24 years, and God shows up to talk to them again. And this is in Genesis chapter 18. And it says this, the Lord appeared again to Abraham near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. One day, Abraham was sitting at the entrance of his tent during the hottest part of the day. He looked up, and he noticed three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he ran to meet them and welcomed them, bowing low to the ground. My Lord, he said, if it pleases you, stop here for a while. Rest in the shade of this tree while water is brought to wash your feet. 
And since you've honored your servant with this visit, let me prepare some food to refresh you before you continue on your journey. All right, they said, do as you've said. So Abraham ran back to the tent and said to Sarah, hurry, get three large measures of your best flour, knead it into dough and bake some bread. Then Abraham ran out to the herd and chose a tender calf and gave it to his servant, who quickly prepared it. When the food was ready, Abraham took some yogurt and milk and the roasted meat and he served it to the men. And as they ate, Abraham waited on them in the shade of the trees. Where is Sarah, your wife, the visitors asked. She's in the tent, Abraham replied. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time and Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself and said, how could a worn out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she denied it, saying, I didn't laugh. But the Lord said, no, you did laugh. And that's the story we find here in Genesis 18 after 24 years of waiting. Now, this is one of those crazy stories within this early narrative of these stories within Genesis in this book. It's a crazy story because as these writers are there, they're saying, here's these three visitors, and they knew that one of them was God in a physical body, showing up with two other physical bodies. And they show up in the day, in the hottest part of the day, and Abraham not only is just trying to be hospitable, but he recognizes that this is a unique visitation, a visitation from the God who's been talking to him, who's been showing up and reminding him of his promise, and this is that God in flesh. I don't know what to do with this, but this is, this is how the story depicts this. And they feed him. They provide for them. They throw a feast for them. And again, God reiterates, and one of the visitors reiterates this promise next year. I'm going to come back, and Mary will have a son, or Sarah will have a son. And who knows why Sarah's just been peeking in and listening, but she hears it. It's been 24 years, and she's heard this again and again and again. And so she laughs. It's, it's, it's not happening. And so there is a, is it cynicism? Is it just like, it's been too long? This is, whatever it is, but that, but that is her response. And Barbara's gonna be like, yeah, that's a long time to wait. To wait, but also waiting with this like expectation that's been spoken. Something has actually been promised and waiting for it. And she laughs. And then there seems to be this question, why'd you laugh? And because the conversation is so uncomfortable and so hard to get into, she denies it. And yet, God says, no, you did it. And yet, in this story, even though we could look at Sarah and say, has Sarah lost hope? Is Sarah cynical? And does that matter? Meaning, does, does God like, okay, well, Abraham's hope, hope, hopeful, so I'm going to take care of him, but Sarah's cynical, and so she's out. No. And so in Genesis chapter 21, verse 1, it says this, Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he promised. And so we hear it, even when hope was lost, God was gracious. And from the story of Sarah, 
it seems like there's a number of things that we can learn, and I want to just give you these, these, these five observations. You can agree with them, you can disagree with them, it's up to you, and then we're going to send you into the groups. But here's the five observations from this life of Sarah, even from painting the picture of this context, of these five, and we're going to reference these within the discussion. But from the life of Sarah and her story, what her life tells us, well, from the beginning, Sarah's story shows us that God's gracious. We don't know why the wait is so long. Those things are not told. But God is gracious. And God is not just gracious to the, to the hopeful Abrahams, but God is also gracious to those who are disappointed and discouraged and cynical and struggling. And God is determined to bless Sarah no matter what her response was to him. That's kindness and goodness. So here's the five things that Sarah's life tells us. That we should follow the guidance of God, that the guidance that God is giving us, even when it looks strange. And so that opening story of Sarah and Abraham's life, that we should follow the guidance of God, even when it looks strange. Leave your people, your land, your place, and I'll take you to another place. And so what I love, Jackie, your own story this morning about following the guidance of like, hey, I've got this really good job. Uh, and it's like following the guidance, even when it's a little bit strange. That's what Sarah's life tells us. Two, God has not forgotten us. Even though it's been 11 years, even though it's been 24 years, God has not forgotten us. See, God honors us. In the life of Sarah, you see, even in their mistakes, God honoring and protecting Sarah. I love that sense of God honoring Sarah in that story with Pharaoh, where Pharaoh's trying to make Sarah his wife. And when Abram, Abraham isn't willing to honor her because he's afraid of his own life, God honors her. And it's like, uh-uh, I'm going to protect you when you're helpless here. When you've been wronged, I'm going to honor you. He honors her when they even make the misstep and give, their, give the concubine in their family to Abraham to have sex with in order to have a child. God honors them and cares for them. And so Sarah's story is one of the God who honors us in our waiting, in our mistakes. And we have D, that God wants us to trust again. And here we, we have it where it's been hard and long, but we have a God who wants us to trust. To trust in God's graciousness and kindness and goodness and mercy, nearness. And then E, that God longs to bring us joy. That's what Sarah's life, her story seems to point to. So in our discussion, there might be some that you're like, I struggle with that. Or you're like, yeah, I need that. Or I know somebody who needs it. So Father, as we gather here as a people and get to be together and to get to be in conversation, you're the God who speaks. And we even heard the story this morning of Jackie feeling like you were speaking to her. And we hear the stories of Abraham and Sarah and you speaking to them. And Jesus, you told us that your sheep hear your voice. You're a good shepherd and that you want to lead us. That's the first thing that is good for us. That you're with us even in really hard places. And Lord, you know where we are currently, and some of us are in really hard places and long waits. And so, Father, would you, would you be kind and gracious to open our eyes to the beauty, to your beauty and the beauty of what you're wanting to say and to encourage us with through each other. So open our ears to one another, open our ears to you. Amen. So we're gonna take some time. I think there's like three or four questions. Uh, typically this goes about 20 minutes. So we would love for you to jump into these groups. And so my, the facilitators, I, got, I know, so facilitators, can you guys raise your hands so that we can move some people around you? Could, would you stand up too? So we have Sandra right here in the front. We have Liv right here. We have Liz right there waving up. We've got Maddie in the tan sweater. We have Trent here in the blue coat. And we have Taylor really close to Trent. 
She's going to move over. We have Abby uh, over here, and we have Chris right there in the back. And so we just say, um, make some room, get about seven or eight people around a facilitator. And I believe we have Nasha who's online. So if you're on Zoom, so you can still have that participation there. So we want to encourage you, stick around. This is where we learn. We get to process for a few minutes together. So pull in around somebody who's ever closest to you, who, who looks the least threatening or... These are all very not threatening sort of individuals. Um, But stay and discuss. And then you'll get dismissed. When this is done, they'll say, all right, see ya. And you can go and grab your hot chocolate on the way out. But thanks for coming. Hallelujah.